welcome to My Sleep Journey. And I have a special guest today. I have Thomas Gao, who is a narcolepsy advocate. He's one of the reasons why we have Wake Up Narcolepsy. And he'll be telling us more about what Wake Up Narcolepsy means to him and why it is that he is advocating for more narcolepsy research and more narcolepsy awareness. Thank you for coming and joining us, Thomas. How are you today? Great, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. A little chilly here in Montreal. Uh, how are things in Boston? Just as chilly. Uh, <laughs> hopefully one of these days I'll wake up and it'll be nice and warm and 75 and sunny so exactly uh maybe april in time for the for the boston marathon right yes yes hopefully uh, that's all that's a few weeks couple weeks away so hopefully the weather can definitely warm up by then. great so everyone out all of you listeners um if you want to listen to the previous podcast i actually interviewed Julie Meltzer, who will be running for Wake Up Narcolepsy as a oneer, and uh, at the Boston Marathon, she's uh, from Toronto, and she wanted to raise funds for narcolepsy research. And from what I understand, Wake Up Narcolepsy has actually raised over a million dollars or a million dollars in research. And um, so, if you want to support her, I'm going to be putting a link below the description just click on that link and you can support Julie's run. And um, so, yeah, so Thomas, can you tell me, can you tell us more about how Wake Up Narcolepsy started? Yeah, 100%. Um, so the people responsible for that are definitely my parents and Kevin Cosgrove. I got diagnosed when I was 10 uh, on the latter half of 10, 11-ish, and I kept on falling asleep, um, whether it be in random places, like, yeah, I was just falling, I was just sleeping most of the day, uh, and I'm in the fifth grade, which really isn't normal, and so my mom started to take notice, and then I started to fall, going from, you know, well, we have this video walking from the kitchen table, bringing my dishes over to the dishwasher. It was like the, it was like an earthquake going on. If you were just looking at me, because of like how much I was like shaking, trying not to give into the cataplexy. Um, other instances, just like playing Wii with my brother and sister, and you're excited, and um, and that's usually a trigger for cataplexy. So. Um, so my mom and my dad started to push more and more, uh, going to the hospital. I think it took three months, um, which included a spinal tap was one of the more memorable ones. They like shocked my nerves trying to figure something out. That was another memorable one. And then they finally did a sleep test, which I feel like would be one of the very earlier things to test if the sleep is if sleep is affected, uh, and then shortly after that, um, my mom didn't my mom and dad didn't feel like there was enough advocacy for narcoleptics, and through a mutual friend, we got introduced to Kevin Cosgrove, and then from there, wake up narcolepsy uh, blossomed 
uh, and to it continues to be stem to what it is today. So, yeah. Great. I I think what uh, your parents did to help other people who have narcolepsy is is really amazing. Um, when you were talking about your story, you were saying how you were eleven years old. So, what was it like being eleven and going through that? I mean. Did it come on suddenly or, you know, did, do you think it just, did it start when you were younger, but you, it really, it became worse when you were 11? Like, how did, how did it uh, evolve? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so like when, so there's like one moment that I look back on, like one of the last moments in school before my parents pulled me out, uh, was clearly cataplexy now, but back then, I don't know. What, what the heck it was and just ignored it but um it came on very quickly it came on within like two weeks maybe like less than that but uh there was this moment walking in recess and like i had to like buckle down on one knee because of my cataplexy and just like i pretended to tie my shoe and got back up and kept on walking uh that was probably the first time that i um i didn't notice then but like looking back the first sign of narcolepsy and then it rapidly um turned more into the sleep became much, uh, much more noticeable. Sorry. Right. Um, and what it was like, I mean, I mean, being in the hospital away from your friends is never, never great. <laughs> uh, definitely by the end and by the middle and by the beginning, I wanted to go back to school where my friends were at. And then once got, once diagnosed, it was, saying there's a combination of things first off my parents expected me to you know the the expectation was to go back and play hockey that year the expectation was to continue to like you know perform as i normally would like they didn't change their expectations which i think helped me and then the advocacy that they gave to my teachers at that school and then the next school and then also in college too helped a lot um and i feel like parents are a little bit better at advocating for the especially you know like in middle school uh that advocacy is huge because you know this i don't know i don't i would have been happy not to uh be singled out and um push to sometimes nap in the uh during the lunch during lunch at uh in it wasn't even middle school it was fifth grade so um but yeah other than that i mean you just have to really pick and choose your moments of when to sleep i feel like that's the biggest thing um and what social interactions you're gonna forego to have social interactions with later on when sports starts uh coming into play Right. You know what, I think what might be good right now would be to sort of give a bit of a background on what narcolepsy is and what cataplexy is and why that would have such a profound effect on, um, you know, your social life, etc. I we I explained in the last video that it's when a person has, well, falls asleep, um, is very tired, falls asleep, and there is uh, um, this this REM actually plays a role in narcolepsy, and uh, it 
starts earlier during during the during the sleep cycle, right? I I went a little bit into that, but not so much. So maybe if you could just give us a little bit of a background on narcolepsy, cataplexy, and just maybe what you, what you've done to sort of manage it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just forewarning, I'm not a scientist, so uh, but. Uh, yes, uh, narcolepsy is when you're when you're tired more, more often than others, and then cataplexy on top of that, and, and the science behind the the sleep cycle too, like you mentioned, you get into REM quicker, and so very sporadic sleep. Um, I would say you don't get the deep sleep nearly as much. I don't know what the actual percentage or like what the actual percent change is, but yes, it's not a very restful sleep, especially over a long period of time. Like um, a, a half hour nap seems as, depending on like how tired I am, a half hour nap would be, I, I could feel just as good after a half hour nap than I would feel waking up in the morning, um, depending on the nap and depending on the night's sleep. Anyways. Do you ever yeah. feel fully rested? Like, is there ever a time where you feel fully rested? Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough because my definition of fully rested has definitely changed since I was 10. So I don't know what my definition of fully rested. I, I don't know what that feeling feels like if I am feeling it or if I'm not feeling it. But um, so I guess it's tough to answer that question, right? right? Um, there are definitely times I feel way more awake than I, uh, than asleep, um, usually morning focused. Um, but yeah, it's tough. That's a tough, uh, it's a tough question. Um, and then the cat cataplexy aspect of narcolepsy too, when it's kind of like when you get, how I describe it is when you kind of lose control of your muscles um usually with a trigger similar to excitement happiness whatever you want to call it and the extent of it can be loss of muscle control throughout your whole body or it might just show in the face by um yeah usually my mom can spot it in me and my face if i'm really tired but normal people wouldn't uh, and my friends really wouldn't either. Uh, but also, feel, it feels and looks, I feel like, when you're kind of drunk, almost, you know, like, like you're losing, like, you slack. Your face becomes slack if it's, uh, if you have cataplexy and you keep it in your face, potentially. Um, yeah, so that's kind of narcolepsy in a nutshell. And then the unscientific explanation of narcolepsy in a nutshell. Um, how does it affect my social life? I would say it affected it different at different stages. So high school, I think it would most affect it per se. Yeah, I would say it affected it most in high school. A, because the, the importance of building social, inner, like social friendship, like building friendships in high school, I feel like is uh, it's like an important time to do that a and then also your day is structured for you so there's not a really 
there's not you own less of your day to plan around an app or plan around something else so if you're waking up at 6 a.m and you're or 6 30 or whatever whenever i used to wake up and you're going through school and then you have a sport afterward and then you're getting home and you have to do homework it's just like um so there's not a whole lot of time during the day so you just have to find those free moments too if you need to rest to rest um so yeah it's just kind of makes you be a little bit more responsible with your schedule to get that nap in if you need um, to do that i depending on the day if i didn't have sports i would try to push myself not to just because it, it sucks uh you know it sucks sleeping your friends during your free period to go take a half hour nap um even if like they don't know like you know if you're just stepping away for like a you know a second or whatever but still it's you know it's not a great it's not a fun feeling when you want to when you want to like you know hang around your friends and whatnot uh but if you're playing hockey afterwards if you're or if you're playing golf um and sometimes you need to do that um college college less so i mean you have your free like after after a class i can go home and take a nap i mean everyone is kind of doing their own thing during the day with classes and then um i would be ready to hang out with whoever um after that like class period usually ends and whatnot so that that was kind of less of a less of a challenge just because I, I owned more of my time and now I own a lot more of my time, especially working from home too. Um, although I find working from home, the, the hours are kind of longer. Uh, so um, after the day, after the end of the day, I'm usually pretty exhausted, but yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, just plan uh, if you need to, rest before you do an activity do so yeah yeah i don't know if that it covered does. everything it does i was also wondering too because you said when um you experience cataplexy because of a trigger and usually that trigger is something like excitement or um an emotion of some sort so mm -hmm. how do you what is your trigger do you do you have specific triggers or any sort of emotion will I would say excitement. Um, yeah, I'd say ex excitement, uh, kind of blurring the line of happiness, but I haven't had, um, because of my medicine, I haven't had a, um, like a full on cataplexy event, um, a, like a full on body one since I was uh, 11. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't had a full on body one since I was 11. And then the smaller ones in the that that you can notice in the just in a slightly slack face after you know a funny joke or whatnot would happen if I didn't take my medicine for a few nights. So you were talking about you know that you still play sports. How do you manage sports while at the same time having narcolepsy? Yeah, hundred percent. I would say it's different different uh, based on the sport and de much different now. Um, so I guess I'll break that down. Um, so for instance, with hockey, I have hockey tonight. I'm gonna 
take a nap after I work, uh, finish working. Uh, but not going to take a nap before hockey. I'll be, I'll be fine. Uh, just because it's a high adrenaline sport and it's, it's beer league too. It's like, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, nothing is on the line here. So yeah. So even if I was a bit more, even if I was like slower than I usually am because I'm like tired or something, it's not going to kill anyone. Most of the people are anyways, because it's a Monday night after work. Uh, and it's like late at night too. Whereas with golf, uh, with golf, it, I find that a bit, honestly, a bit harder than hockey, less adrenaline. You're out in the heat for four hours, walking around, carrying your bag. And so that's, that stretch from like the 13th hole to the 15th hole, depending on how hot it is, you know, he puts people to sleep. Uh, it, that is more challenging than going to play an action adrenaline sport, just because it requires, I would say, yeah, it's it's just a different type of fatigue. It's yeah, it's a different type of fatigue. Um, so during that, I, I usually take an adrenaline focused medicine halfway through, stay hydrated. Um, yeah, that's what I do. I'm trying to take a nap beforehand too, because it, it can be. Uh, yeah, so that's. That's what I normally do. And then in high school, it's kind of different. So with golf, it's interesting with golf too, because you're supposed to be loose. And with cataplexy, you don't want to be loose. So it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting um, conundrum. But anyways, um, but with the sports when I was younger in high school, that probably required a bit more planning, like, hockey I used to sleep on the car ride there and then uh I used to you know like it was hockey that day so I would, I would sleep before before we went and if I was still tired sleep in the car um yeah it's just you have more con you have less control of your life and you're not you know living with your friends on the weekends planning your weekend around something you're Saturday is hockey, right? Uh, when you're younger, if you have a hockey on Saturday, it's usually the majority of the day. And I would sleep on the car at home. But yeah, so I guess it's just different. It's just different. Uh, different. I, I find it interesting that, see, I would have thought the other way. I would have thought that that if you were playing golf, it would be, it would yeah, I, for some reason, I always thought that if you were playing hockey, you would it would be more challenging because I would mm -hmm. figure, you know, the adrenaline excitement. But then I guess it, I guess that it doesn't work out that way. Um, but uh, I'm I'm curious about that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely interesting. I would say the adrenaline like is just kind of it's just kind of like go 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 like you don't think about it per se because the moments last so sh or like are quick like you're you have you know like, like you're not thinking you know it's not like 
well i guess there's excitement too but it's more i feel like it's a more adrenaline um excitement yeah i don't know uh, it's, it's a yeah it's a very interesting i think i think i maybe okay so when you're talking about that it's it's fast-paced right it's fast-paced you have to think quickly so it's almost like not a reflex but yeah it, it processes it like the you have to make your decisions fast like really I, i'm a huge hockey fan too right yeah. so so your grandfather and i talk about hockey often um so <laughs> so um i think i think i understand what you mean and then when i've played golf i'm not good at all um but yes you do walk from one place to another and it can be very hot so yeah i can see how that that will, would work I'm curious, and I, I don't think you can answer this, but it's just something that, you know, I'd like to explore in the future. And um, the, one of the things that we were doing at, wait, not at Wake Up Narcolepsy, sorry, at um, one of the things that we're doing at Somnolence Plus now is working with athletes. We have someone on our team who we actually mm -hmm. were able to coach, um, uh, Oscar Rivas, who's the world champion, who's the first world champion in boxing in the Bridgerweight class. Um, and so based on what you, you've told me, it's something that I'm going to ask him in terms of, you know, how does narcolepsy relate to performance and training? And we are having an upcoming snooze fest. And uh, we know that we want to bring sports into snooze fest, you know, by having people talk about sleep, sleep wellness, also, you know, raise awareness of sleep disorders and um, for, for performance in general, not necessarily with sports, but obviously sports is in there too. So uh, we're, we'll, be, we'll be talking about, you know, what coaches can do, what athletes can do, what, you know, your weekend athlete can do too, right? Um, as well as for people who are working, uh, which brings me to my next question in terms of work. So from what I understand, you now have your business degree and you also have your MSc. Congratulations on that achievement. And so what is it that you're working on now? Like, what are your current projects? Okay. Um, so my current projects are mostly focused around A-B testing. Uh, I'll try to go a little bit higher. Um, my, my, my projects that I'm focused around now are mostly analytics, advanced analytics driven. So we're trying to get a better understanding of who our customers are using modeling techniques, and then also trying to better retain and educate our consumers using modeling techniques as well and uh, statistical modeling methods as well. So very, very at a high level. Yes, I, I find that very interesting. I've always been interested in analytics as we, you know, in our past conversations and uh, I've mentioned, but I just wanted to highlight the fact that for a person who has narcolepsy to reach that level, how do you, so I think you're, you're pretty lucky because you were diagnosed at such a young age, but from what I understand from other people who I've met, they weren't diagnosed until much later. So for those people who aren't diagnosed, what would sort of, what would be their major challenge uh, getting through, you know, university, for, through school, university, and their master's um, degree? Who, who were recently diagnosed? 
who were not diagnosed. So for oh. people who aren't diagnosed, like what, what would it be like for them? And because they're, from what I gather, not many people aren't diagnosed until much later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely getting better, but it is not the, the, yeah, the, the time that it takes to diagnose is definitely, definitely too long. So yeah, I don't even know what it would be like. It would be brutal if you have cataplexy. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, you basically have to shut down emotionally if you don't want to show cataplexy to people. Uh, if you aren't, if you aren't on any medicine and then depending on how severe it is too. And then some people also have, um, hallucinations. I don't, I don't personally have them, so I can't speak to how, how bad they can get, but based off of, so most narcoleptic, most narcoleptics dreams are pretty lucid from my understanding at least. And so if there are anything like that uh yeah that'd be pretty scary and then just the sleep in general I, I mean you're you're going through every day mostly probably groggy i don't want to blanket i don't i don't want that to be a blanket statement uh but i'm assuming it, it would be hard harder you would have to be in you'd have to probably be very strict with yourself uh, and with what you're putting in your body and with what um what you're doing and planning your day uh but yeah that would be that'd be incredibly tough i can't even speak to how tough that would that would be just because especially i mean i've been diagnosed since i was 10 it's second nature to me i mean i've been on the same medicine since since i was old like maybe 11-ish 12. so it's just it's just you know, it's second, second nature to me. I don't think about it. Um, I don't, I don't honestly think about it a whole much just because what works is working, right? And it's worked for over a decade. So, which yeah. is great. I don't know. Well, I think that you know what I get from that is, you know, the success that research has had in terms of you know treat treating narcolepsy and I think in that sense you, it, you know you're really in um <laughs> I don't know it's weird maybe to be called this way but you really are some an inspiration uh in terms of what can be done with the research um especially because I I've spoken with uh Sheila Coots, uh, Matt Horsnell and they were they were uh, diagnosed much later. And sometimes I think for Sheila, it took her 20 something years. Well, after she became a nurse for her to realize what was going on. And for Matt Horsnell, it was only when his friend who was working out with him because they would work out together, uh, you know, note, you know, he's speaking with him and then they realized, no, this isn't normal. This isn't, this is not normal sleep. People don't usually feel that way after sleeping for you know that many hours uh you know you might want to get yourself checked so in terms of you know informing people who may not know that 
they have narcolepsy. Um, what are the, do you know what symptoms to, to what red flags would, would you say they need to watch for if they have, if, you know, and if they do have that, maybe go and see someone who's a specialist. Yeah. Um, Definitely the cataplexy is an easy one to look for. I mean, if you're losing control in your muscles, I mean, that's blanket, you know, you can easily, you can more easily distinguish that based off of viewing people around you and seeing that they're not losing control of their muscles. So I feel like that's a little bit easier to, to um, notice, right, of yourself. It's, you know, we don't really talk about sleep a whole lot. But honestly, I don't think there is a certain sleep aspect that to notice with narcolepsy. I feel like it's more just because that description would probably probably mimic a lot of other sleep diseases. So I think it honestly may be better to give like if if you know. It's tough to know, you know, you know, you only know what you know, and you, you don't experience other people's sleep. So how do you know your sleep is, you know, really screwed up? But, you know, just having discussions around how your sleep is, I guess, may improve it. I mean, and there's so much technology out there nowadays with um, fitness bands and whatnot that track sleep. So I feel like patterns could start to emerge, uh, especially comparing it to your friends and, and whatnot. So yeah, I feel like if I, I feel like it would be hard for me to describe what to look out for specifically with narcolepsy versus other sleep disorders too. So um, I think a sleep study is always just best to do. And here's where, you know, I, I'll just chime in, you know, I, for everyone listening, one of the things we want to do at Somnolence Plus is to really bring awareness to sleep wellness. And so once you know about sleep and are taking care of your own sleep, right? In terms of when to nap, um, getting your the seven to nine hours a day, um, which is recommended. People are different, but you know, typically that's what you'd be looking at. After that, you should feel refreshed. So if you experience daytime fatigue, like, um, it could be various things. It could be sleep apnea, for instance. It could be narcolepsy. It could be all of these other um, issues or you know that, that people experience in terms of sleep. But once you experience that, especially daytime fatigue, if you're driving and all of a sudden and you're, you're tired and sleepy, if you're at work during a time and you know you've slept for about uh, you know seven to nine hours and you're still exhausted at this point it's probably a good idea and we I would recommend speaking with your physician your primary health provider and making sure that you your sleep is is okay right and if that isn't the case then you know educate yourself in terms of um, what you can do well, first of all, educate yourself into in terms of what you can do for uh, for your for good sleep, and then if you're not sleeping well, definitely see a physician, a health provider who can help you with uh, 
with diagnosing what could potentially be your problem with sleep. And then afterwards, implementing sleep wellness strategies, you know, good sleep hygiene, uh, napping strategies that will help you. And this is good for everyone, whether you have a sleep disorder or whether you don't, whether you have trouble sleeping time, like uh, that's acute, meaning, you know, just for the time being, you know, maybe you have insomnia and you're experiencing a lot of stress or maybe chronic insomnia, which is a different issue, right? I mean, so these are the things it, I think for us, one of the things we wanted to really highlight today is that sleep affects people at their very core because it is foundational to good health. Um, if you're not sleeping well, then it's very hard to perform cognitively. It's very hard to perform um, even in terms of your relationships, right? So you'll have physical manifestations uh, in terms of, you'll have physical issues where you know, you'll feel tired, you won't be able to learn as well. Sometimes controlling emotions can be hard. And this is not necessarily just for narcolepsy, this is sleep in general, loss of sleep in general. So sleep loss, which many people experience, right? Um, and then for those of you out there who suspect that maybe I have, like you, maybe you don't have a name for it, but you've experienced some of what Thomas has described, definitely go and see your physician and get yourself um, examined to make sure that you know, you're, you're okay. And if not, if there's something um, like narcolepsy or sleep apnea or some other sleep disorder, make sure that you get the appropriate treatment. And um, if, can you, given that we talk about sleep wellness here, what is for anybody, anyone in general, not just someone who has narcolepsy, what would be your biggest tip? Well, yeah, what would be your biggest tip for someone in terms of good sleep? I would say, consistency with the time frames that you're sleeping at. Uh, I, I work out in the morning. Uh, I After work, there's no chance of working out. So I work out before work and getting up that early is definitely easier when I'm doing it um, consistently. So yeah, just stick with the time frame and your body gets used to it and it's less disruption. Um, body, body starts wanting to go to sleep at that time. So yeah, I'd say consistency. I would agree with that, actually. It's actually one of the tips that we, we do give. And so thank you again, Thomas, for being with us today and sharing your story. Um, it is really inspirational, Like a, again, like I said, because we know that the researchers are doing with the, the, the work that the researchers are putting into narcolepsy treatment is working. You know, the very fact that you haven't had a cataplexy event since you were a child, right? That, mm -hmm. that, is, that is such good news. Uh, and we just want to ask everyone, uh, share this with people. And if, if you want to donate to Julie Meltzer's Boston Marathon Run to support narcolepsy research, the link is below. And uh, yes. Until next time, everyone, sleep well. Take Thank care. you, everyone. Thank you.